Hello, and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. And we're here to discuss a new movie directed by David Fincher called Mank. Tell us about it, Ashley. So Mank centers around um, the real-life um, screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz, who is best known for um, writing the screenplay to Citizen Kane, which is a film that's widely regarded as being one of the greatest films ever made, if not the greatest ever made. Um, so the story kind of um, gives us a glimpse into his process in writing the film and also kind of reveals some of his backstory that kind of led to the creation of this particular, of this particular um, screenplay, um, particularly his relationship with some of the old studio executives and with William Randolph Hearst. Who, whom Citizen Kane was kind of based on. So and who was William Randolph first? Oh, he was a he was a newspaper owner, and um, yeah, he was uh, a very powerful man and wealthy man. Wealthy man. He was a billionaire back eighty years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. right, right. So yeah, that's kind of the setup to this. Um, what did you think? So, you know, I feel like you know, full disclosure. And this 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 movie has been talked about a lot among um, you know film aficionados, people who like movies, um, and and particularly who are I guess f- decently versed in, in movie you know, history, film history, and I, I feel like I am to a certain extent. But this moment kind of catches me out in the fact that, I, and I hate to admit this, I'm going to lose some some movie credit points, but I've actually never watched Citizen Kane, oh. uh, not from beginning to end. Um, there's really no good reason I haven't had for watching it. Um, I'm going to be honest in this and say that um, I've, you know, it's it's a movie that's been on TV. I think in in, in various you know forms, and I've I've caught parts of it, and I've never been interested enough to continue to watch it. I've seen it from the beginning, and then lost interest a little bit in and stopped watching it, and then um, I've caught it, you know, in the middle or whatever. Um, you know, every year we go to the Roger Ebert Film Festival. And um, actually, the last year that he was alive for the festival, he showed Citizen Kane because he did a, a commentary for it mm-hmm. uh, that was on one of the DVD releases. And so, actually, he said, you know, if you'll allow me a little bit of vanity, I'm going to show you this movie um, with my commentary on. So that's what they showed on the big screen. Um, that was on day five, the final day of the festival. And I was, I know it sounds bad, but I was movied out. <laughs> so I actually kind of skipped out of the theater while that was playing. So, I don't have an actual... I mean, I know, obviously, about Citizen Kane. But I didn't... My frame of reference is not strong for this material. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's why it didn't necessarily resonate with me, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have, I have some things to say about it. But I'll first... I'll throw it back to you. What, what, are your, <clears throat> what are your initial thoughts on it? So, I think there's a lot to admire in this movie. I think particularly if you're a fan of old Hollywood and particularly, especially if you're a fan of Citizen Kane, um, I think the movie does a good job of kind of recapturing kind of the look and feel of, of classic Hollywood or at least referencing it a lot. And I think it also references particular um, scenes in Citizen Kane and the style of Citizen Kane sometimes. Um, so it's a film... Uh, Citizen Kane, if anything, is it's it's known for 
its direction. So it was directed by Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a very, he's a very bold director. He does all kinds of interesting things. And um, the movie occasionally references some of those, um, I think. So that's interesting to see just from a technical, you know, or historical perspective. It's kind of cool. Um, the acting was really good. Um, Gary Oldman, I think, does a really good job as Herman Mankiewicz. Um, I really loved uh, Charles Dance as William Randolph Hearst. I thought he did a really great job. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, like I said, there's a lot to admire. Now, I have seen Citizen Kane. It's been a long time. Um, you know, I, I, I always, I've always admired it from a technical standpoint. You know, the direction is wonderful. The editing is masterful. The screenplay is great. Um, but it always leaves me a little cold. Mm-hmm. And ironically, I think this movie does too. Somehow I'm, I'm never emotionally engaged when I watch Citizen Kane. And I wasn't that engaged here either. I thought it was interesting um, and great to look at. And there's just a wonderful, wonderful acting going on. But by the end, I don't know, I was like, oh, okay. Um, I never really felt much about this character. So Yeah, so you, you touched upon some things that... Um I, I think I wanted to reference here. Uh, so one is the acting. So Gary Oldman, I think, I, does, he does a good job here. Mm-hmm. Although, I'll be honest with you, I never felt like we cracked the nut of his character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe there wasn't a lot to crack. I don't know. I mean, I, I, this, this, this movie takes place in, uh, from between 1930 and mostly 1940. Mm-hmm. So it's, it takes place anywhere from 80 to 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. So these people are like long gone. Um, I don't know anything about Herman Mankiewicz aside from he's Ben Mankiewicz's grandfather who, you know, I love Ben Mankiewicz and, um, but yeah, this, yeah. So, but there wasn't a lot of there there, I thought to his, to his character Mm -hmm. uh, as portrayed here. And uh, so I'm going to sound like I'm doing a digression here, but I'm going to bring it back. (laughs) All right. So uh, I'm a big old time radio fan, radio shows from thirties and Mm forties. Um, have been for decades. And um, actually, that was my, um, I don't know if I said my first introduction to Orson Welles, because I think actually technically my first introduction was uh, when he played Unicron in (laughs) Transformers the movie. But quickly after that, um, I started listening to radio shows from the 30s and 40s, and Orson Welles uh, was one of the uh, first actors to play The Shadow, Mm. one of my favorite radio shows. Um, And I think, in my opinion, he was the best Shadow. He didn't do it for very long. But uh, so I just love that old timey thing. And then there was a movie in the mid '90s that came out called Radio Land Murders. And basically, it was. And, and anyone who knows me knows that aside from loving old time radio, I love uh, murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. So this was a movie, and it was I think produced by George Lucas, and it was set in an old time radio station. And there were uh, somebody who was going around murdering the people who worked there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is this is my jam, right? <laughs> Um, and that movie wasn't very good. <laughs> and it was one of the biggest cinema disappointments I've, I've experienced, uh, oddly enough. But one of the things that disappointed me about it was the, it had a very, the, the, the way it was done, but also the dialogue was very frenetic. And it had a lot of this old-timey 30s and 40s music uh, as a score that I thought was intrusive. Mm. And the dialogue uh, and the acting I thought was very stilted. Mm. 
And I understand what's happening there because if you watch um, a lot of older movies, movies from the 30s and 40s, you know, uh, they kind of talk like this, you know, like they say, see, here, right, see, and, uh, you know, and, and they, they talk in a clipped, you know, sometimes mid-Atlantic tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you, when you're watching it, you do, you do realize, okay, this is, this is old-timey talk, right? But you accept it because this is an old-timey movie you're watching. Mm-hmm. What I've seen based on some, you know, movies I've seen like Radio Land Murders and like Mank um, is when modern-day actors attempt to recreate that, it... They don't do it quite as well. They do it a little too fast-paced. And they throw in this old-timey sounding music. Trent Reznor was one of the, one of the composers for the score here. And he's usually, I, I usually like his work, but the music was just really intrusive here in Mank. Um, kind of reminded me of the Radioland Murders thing. And um, I, was annoyed by, I was annoyed by some of the acting. I was annoyed by the frenetic pacing of the dialogue. I was annoyed by the what I felt to be the intrusive score at times. Um, so yeah, there there were some issues that I had with that. That's very interesting. I I, I don't know that I really agree with you, <laughs> or at least my my response was different. I actually kind of liked the the score, and I was surprised to learn that it was Trent Reznor. Um, well, it was kind of a, a jazzy, interesting score. I, it it didn't distract. Um, it didn't distract me from the story. I thought it was pretty, um, pretty enriching. And then, um, and and I, and I'm usually pretty sensitive to what you're talking about. You know, this this faux '40s acting that people try to do. Um, but I di- it didn't really stand out to me in this one. Um, yeah. So that's I. Um, I was surprised by the amount of politics in the movie mm-hmm. that's another thing yeah <laughs> this movie is sold okay yeah I, I want maybe i'm using too strong of a language here but you know a lot of folks um have watched this movie already like critics mm-hmm. uh, uh watched it on screeners you know and so it's officially out to di- uh today that we're, we're doing this on um, december 4th but uh officially released on netflix today mm-hmm. but it's been viewed by critics already and a lot of critics have been saying you know this is about the writing of citizen kane and that's what I thought going in, but I'm like, mm, this is actually kind of just about Herman Mankiewicz's life from 1930 to 1942. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a big part of that, apparently, if we believe this film, is around um, politics, and particularly, particularly the media's influence on politics, which is something that, you know, kind of resonates today. And I don't know if it was, if, if, if all that was kind of... Um, exaggerated mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, make a point about our media and our politics today, or if it was, it's truthful. Um, but, um, I was kind of surprised. Um, and I don't know, I wasn't put off by it necessarily, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. No, I was thrown by it a little bit. Um, and maybe, and this is kind of why I'm bringing it up in this review. So in case anyone who hasn't watched it yet, <laughs> goes into it. I, I was expecting, um, more of the writing process mm. of Citizen Kane than we got. I mean, in fact, I'm trying to remember, was there, did we ever actually see him writing it? We saw him... Um, some fleeting scenes. Fleeting where scenes. He's, he's we saw him sending dic- off copies. And he, was, he dictated to his secretary. Yes. The time. Yeah. We saw, but we, well, I felt like we saw a lot of scenes of the secretary having typed it up. Yeah. And then we saw scenes of people reading it mm-hmm. or, or, having, or, or right after they'd read it. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm like, I, I, I mean, there were scarcely any scenes with yeah. him actually writing it. You know, this sort of echoes my lament when we talked about Shirley earlier this year, the movie Shirley, <laughs> and how I wished it had been more about her actual writing process. But as I said back then, and I'll say now, I mean, it's difficult to just dramatize somebody sitting and writing. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I get it. Right, uh, and this does what that movie did, which is it, it does a lot of flashbacks and a lot of, you yes. know. So you, you're seeing kind of how, how the movie or how the screenplay was formed in his head, maybe, and what the inspirations were for it. Um, yeah, it starts in 1940, where he's convalescing from a, like a road accident, and he's writing Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And then it flashes back to 1930. And then it keeps flashing back to 1940. And then it'll flash back to later in the 30s. And so it's, it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. I followed it. Yeah. But I kept wondering at some point, I'm like, so are we going to get, is there going to be like a payoff for this? Because, I mean, there were certain aspects of the flashbacks that I was enjoying for what they were. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking to myself, like, okay, is this really the best way they could have told the story? Is this really necessary? And I get it. I know enough about Citizen Kane, too, that it started at the end of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the character's life. And then it started flashbacks. So I get yeah. this is sort of a parallel to that. But mm-hmm. um, I guess they did have a, you know, a part toward the end where they sort of intertwined the 1940s setting and the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. But when it was done, and I'm like, okay, so I don't know if that's what they were moving toward, but that, to me, felt a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Speaking of which, this movie just kind of ends. Yeah, it was totally anticlimactic. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I just felt like there, there was going to be more to it, and then suddenly, you know, it's just over. <laughs> <laughs> It, it came a little abruptly to me. Yes. Um, and again, I, I felt like I, I felt like it was building towards some kind of payoff, and it didn't ever really quite get there. No, no it didn't. I don't. I mean, I felt like they just very. I'll say this: throughout this movie, there were often times where I f- felt like I saw the filmmaker's wheels turning. All right. Oh yeah. And particularly at the end. Yeah. It's like. I was like thinking, I don't know if they just didn't know what to do. <laughs> I mean, David Fincher is a very accomplished filmmaker, to yeah. put it mildly. So, you know, he's not some amateur who doesn't know <laughs> what to do. But this ending almost felt like it. They mm-hmm. got up to this certain point. And maybe and there was some kind of dramatic dialogue. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, it's like a, a two years later. And right. then, boom, like the movie is over. Right. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess we... We're done. We're done here. Yeah. So I guess the big climax was that scene with between him and Orson Welles. I guess. I guess. Who, by the way, it was played by Tom Burke, and I think he does a really good impression of Orson Welles mm-hmm. without it being distracted. It felt kind of natural. And yeah. Like I said, I felt like the acting was pretty good all around. But. Yeah. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. So it's funny, you know. Uh, Sam, John Houseman was an actor who. Um, I always knew initially as um, uh, he was this old guy. I mean, he was old. Like by the time I became, you know, cognizant of things and watching mm-hmm. stuff, he was old. He died yeah. in 1988, um, yeah. and um, he was in. You know, if you want to see him, he's in the movie Scrooge, right? And mm-hmm. uh, among uh, many other things. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, you know, he was a behind-the-scenes person with uh, uh, Orson Welles quite a bit, and he helped kind of polish up 
Citizen Kane script, and he was part of the Mercury Theaters on the Air that did Orson Welles' infamous War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. He's played here by Sam Troughton, yeah. who I just have to mention uh, uh, is part of the Doctor Who dynasty. <laughs> uh, the second Doctor Who, Patrick Troughton, is uh, his, his um, grandfather. Yes. So I, I, I was impressed with that, I guess. <laughs> um, I do want to give a shot. One thing I did like was the cinematography. Yeah. So Eric Messerschmidt was the cinematographer. And so there's lots of really good, you know, movies in black and white, but it's, you know, the way the shots are, are, are angled and, and done <clears throat> and people's characters, sometimes they're in shadow. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the, there's, there's a scene that's really cool where it's in a, I don't know if it's a conference room or an office and there's blinds and they use those to great effect and cigarette smoke yeah, yeah. and the way it kind of lands on people's, uh, you know, silhouettes and mm-hmm. faces. Yeah. I think the movie looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, not only the cinematography, but the set design and the costumes. Yes. I mean, it really you really do feel like you're in this old Hollywood fantasy world. And on a personal level, um, I thought it was kind of cool because, you know, so William Randolph Hearst, uh, you know, he lived in, you know, as, as we, you, meant, you talked about who he was earlier. Um, he lived in California on an estate called San Simeon, mm-hmm. which I think you can still tour. But I toured it uh, back in 1991, uh, and it was just a beautiful gorgeous estate Mm. um and yeah so it's kind of cool i mean there were several scenes set there i don't Mm -hmm. know if they were filmed there in this movie but they were set there and so that kind of reminded me of of my trip there yeah that's one of my favorite scenes when they're walking through the the grounds of san simeon yes and they had he had kind of a zoo there elephants and giraffes and And, you know in citizen kane you know orson welles plays charles foster kane who lives Mm -hmm. in a grand estate in florida called xanadu yes (laughs) Um, so yeah Um, what do you give this out of 10 you know I'm I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 okay I'm going to give it a 6 and you know there's this movie is is technically very well made Mm -hmm. as we've discussed already I mean it's just and and I and you know it's a, it's, a, it's a good looking movie mm-hmm. and it does have some good acting I think you're right with Charles Dance you know is a good actor and Gary Oldman who kind of carries this movie for the most part mm-hmm. he is good um, I, I have issues with the other stuff that I've already mentioned I have issues <laughs> with and, that, and, I, and it left me cold you know uh, a movie scores big with me when it hits me in some kind of emotional level mm-hmm. this movie did not at all yeah so yeah so our score is a six and a half, and it is on the tomato meter. It has an 88% certified fresh from critics and an audience score of, I think it's 87, yeah, 77% from audiences. Okay. So yeah, that's Mank. It's streaming now on Netflix. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.